and welcome to mini episode 23 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? I've got three listener stories for you today. Oh man. And just by chance, which is really random when this happens, the first two of them are hospital care work related. You know, they just happen to come up together in the chronology. So, are you ready for story number one? No. Story number one comes from Anonymous. I've been working in the healthcare industry for the past 18 years. Starting in an asylum type hospital, much like Emma's job. I now support people in a day centre setting. About three years ago, I was supporting a gentleman, let's call him Dave, to and from the centre in North London. Dave was in his early 50s and living with his elderly mother nearby the centre in Crinklewood. He had a severe learning disability and needed a lot of support and encouragement with his everyday tasks. His mother was absolutely amazing and I would always have a bit of banter with her when she answered the door. It was a highlight of my day. Dave couldn't communicate very well and if I knocked on the door and he answered, I would ask where his mum was. Dave's response would be one-word answers such as toilet or cooker. I would always joke with Dave and say something like, you put your mum in the toilet? And there would be a loud giggle coming from a room somewhere and I'd shout up to her to say goodbye. I loved it. And like clockwork, I would smile. Off me and Dave would trot to the centre. One day I knocked on their door and Dave answered. I asked Dave where his mum was and he said, TV. I joked something like, presenting or being interviewed? There was no giggle. I shouted out that we were leaving, but again, no response. Perhaps his mum was on the phone or something in the living room where the TV was. The living room was on the left. So I said again that I was leaving. I entered the living room just to check and see if Dave's mum had heard us. And as I walked in, I saw her laying motionless on the floor. I automatically checked her pulse, but nothing. I tried CPR, called 999. I called my boss, asked for help, asked for them to send somebody. The ambulance arrived within 10 minutes and unfortunately she had died at some point during the night of a stroke. There was nothing I could have done or anyone could have done. While all this was happening, Dave was stood by the door. He was unaware of what was going on. This alone was devastating and makes me feel so sad whenever I think of this horrific moment. As his key worker, I helped as much as I could. Dave moved into his nephew's house, a five-minute walk from his mum's house. He was quite young, And this all must have been really tough for him, and for Dave. I supported Dave to his mum's funeral, something I insisted on doing, out of respect for this wonderful woman. I told his nephew that he can call me whenever he wants, and that I was there for both of them. A few months went past. Dave was very well, and with the help of many other people and authorities, he was back into a normal routine. I would pick him up from his nephew's every day and walk to the centre. Every so often, Dave would sleep at his old house, supported, to give his nephew a bit of rest. Sometimes I would stay in the house with Dave. I normally slept on the sofa while Dave slept in his old room. It was a really calming environment. There's something soothing about the house. Maybe a lot of fond memories and whatnot. 
Nothing spooky at all. But sometimes, another staff member sleeps at the house with Dave to support him with cooking and stuff. This happened one weekend and I went to pick Dave up from his mum's house. I called the staff to say I was nearby and to make sure he was ready for the centre. When I got to the house, sure enough, Dave was ready at the door with a staff member. I asked if he was alright. His response was, yeah, bed. I said jokingly, you can't go back to bed, you wally, it's the morning. And then a giggle came from upstairs. I looked at the staff member and he looked just as freaked out as I did. We went upstairs and there was nothing. We checked each room, there was nothing. Though there was a faint imprint on his mother's bed. I'm sure it was nothing and I didn't point it out or anything. We went downstairs and we both took Dave to the centre. Spent the remaining hours of the day spooking each other out and just laughing it off. I was reluctant to tell his nephew what had happened and just took Dave back to his nephew's house. It had been hard enough for both of them, so I just shrugged it off. Though again, telling anyone who will listen to my scary story at parties or down the pub. About three weeks later, Dave had stayed in his old house. But this time with his nephew, who was sorting things out and making up charity bags for some of the shops in West Hampstead. When I arrived, his nephew looked very pale and had clearly been crying. I asked if he was okay. And he said he had seen her in the living room. He begged me to take Dave to the centre, as Dave had been talking non-stop ever since they got there at the weekend. Given Dave's lack of communication skills, obviously I found this really odd. In fact, everything his nephew said that morning was weird and unnerving. Dave was eating his breakfast in the living room when I went in. It was quiet and he seemed pleased to see me. We hung out for a minute and chatted to his nephew. I showed Dave some images on my phone of what we would be doing that day. I made some light-hearted comments and helped them both feel at ease. Clearly, this worked as they were both laughing by the time we left. But as Dave was walking away from the house... He turned around and he said, Bye, Mum. See you later. That's a really sweet story. It's lovely. I mean, it's sad, like really sad, like super sad. But actually, that's the kind of haunting you want, isn't it? If you've got to have a haunting. You want it to be somebody yeah. that's clearly looking out for somebody else. Yeah. And I can imagine if, you know, if, if people find a reason to stay on Earth, that staying to keep an eye on your son who's severely intellectually disabled yeah. would be kind of up there really, wouldn't it? Yeah. Especially if you've looked after him for your whole life. Yeah. Oh, it makes me want to cry. It's part of the sort of reassurance for the son as well, isn't it? I guess. If, that, if it doesn't... If it's hard for him to understand... Yeah. Her sticking around is... And I'm, I'm sure in, in some way, shape or form, he understands. Yeah. You know, maybe not the complexity of death and what that means but the recognition that she's not there anymore must and be he doesn't incredibly stay there difficult. often anymore either so there, there's that sort of change in location as well yeah oh my heart i feel a bit sorry for the nephew because i don't think the nephew is quite ready to see 
his auntie. No, he clearly wasn't because <laughs> they'd obviously really upset him. Yeah, well, it's not even his auntie. So I guess it's his great auntie. But um, yeah, that must have been a bit terrifying. But I guess for the for anonymous, that recognition of a routine that had been a massive part of, of their, their daily life, yeah, yeah, is actually a nice little nod. I think I'd imagine it probably after they got over the initial chills. I'd imagine it probably was quite reassuring. Although here in that first giggle, I think I yeah. would, I would be burning the house to the ground. I mean, like, <laughs> and then afterwards, yeah. I'd be like, "Oh, that was actually quite nice." As I'm uh, standing there in the embers, a piece of property. Uh, yeah, that's that's an I can handle that kind of story. I mean, it gives me the chills, but it's like I don't want to say nice chills because that sounds a bit seedy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's not like terrifying. It's just mildly unsettling. I can handle that. I'm hoping the rest are like that too. Are you ready for Cat's story? Uh, for a story about Cat or for a story from Cat? A story from Cat. Yeah, no. My mum used to work at a children's respite hospital and often she had to work nights. It's specifically for brain injured children with disabilities. And so unfortunately, there are a lot of unwell children that stay there and sadly that have passed there too. While on nights, you get a two hour slot to have a sleep. And you get a set time so it's only one person sleeping at any one time. Depending on where she was working, there were designated sleeping rooms. And this particular night, my mum had to sleep in the cold room. So my mum goes off to have her nap. She's tired, but not that bad. She actually liked night shifts, as it was usually quite chilled out. So she goes into the cold room and lays down on the bed and turns off the light. She looks up and sees a woman stood in the room. No, no. A little away from her. At first she thought it was one of her workmates coming in thinking it was their turn to sleep. So she started to say sorry, maybe she mistook the break time. When she realised that it was a young girl, about ten. She had blonde hair and pigtail braids and was wearing a red dress. The girl then walked out of the corner of the room and my mum turned on the light to see that there wasn't even a door where she exited. She'd walked through a wall. It was at this point that she realised she had seen a ghost. But this isn't the craziest part. I would easily put it down to perhaps a tired hallucination even though my mum's not prone to that kind of thing. But I was talking to my best friend about my mum seeing a ghost Without even mentioning anything about it, she said, Oh, my granddad's friend used to work there. She saw a ghost. She saw a little girl with blonde hair and a red dress. I genuinely felt actual shock when she offered this up. I told her what my mum saw and she said she thinks she remembers the girl's hair was in plaits too. The scary thing is, the cold room years ago used to be the room where children that passed away would be laid out while they were waiting for their parents to come and see them and say goodbye. The room was cold to preserve them. Now, I'm sceptical and the kind of person that thinks I believe it when I see it. But how do you explain that? This isn't a nice one. I don't know. That gives me the hijibis a little bit, I think. I mean, she either saw a ghost or a superhero. Just putting it out there. Red dress, red cape, yep. maybe. Set, there is, and that it does sound similar to Brightburn, so it's probably not a superhero you want to look out for. Um, 
not a hallucination. Too much detail. Do you think? Yeah, way too much detail. For well, I've never, I've never done a night shift. My mum used to do nights all the time. She would describe the tiredness after a long stint of nights. So the tiredness is actually, you can't describe it to anybody else yeah. unless you've been in that situation. I tend to think if you're going to hallucinate something, you hallucinate a figure or a darkness or it's very detailed. It is very detailed. And then to walk out the door or walk out into the wall. Yeah. And those like, there, I think there's always rooms though. There's always a room. Like when I worked in the asylum, there was a room and reading the story about Dave, the first story reminded me of, of different patients that I have worked with who would be nonverbal um, and needed a lot of support in their day-to-day lives. And whether patients were verbal or nonverbal or whether they, whatever the severity of their intellectual disability, there was one room that none of them would sleep in, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. There was, and none of them would sleep in it. And they had rotated different patients around this room to try and get somebody to sleep in the room and none of them would sleep in it. It's really weird. And they would, if a patient was more verbal, they would be complaining about people harassing them in the room, like people annoying them. People wouldn't stop talking to them. People that were in the room, like looking through their things. And we didn't deal, like we didn't have patients who were, say like having paranoid delusions or things like schizophrenia. You know, that wasn't, that was, it wasn't a psychiatric hospital. So in that sense, sense. I mean, it was, I just didn't work in the psychiatric ward. And having the granddad's friend confirm what type of ghost it was is a bit weird as well. Yeah, I would be noping out at that point. Yeah. What if this is the ghost of a little girl that was laid out, that died and was laid out for, and her parents never came? I mean, potentially, but I think you're hamming it up there a little bit, you know? It's a very sad thought, thought though, isn't it? It is a very sad thought, but you created that. I did. So, <laughs> we've got one more story to go. Uh, okay. And this story is from Shaylee. Okay. I want to share just a couple of my many experiences in my life. I'm only 23. And most of my experiences have happened as a young child or a teenager. I think moving out of my family home at 18 and living elsewhere has been the main reason why I haven't had as many experiences. I had quite a few when I was younger, and I have seen a couple of spirits. I won't get into those because I honestly question if it was just my imagination since I was so young. Instead, I have a couple of stories from when I was a teenager that are burned in my memory. Just a little bit of context. My family has always been spiritual. I don't say religious because we weren't ever the family that goes to church every week and participates in all church activities. We were moderately active in that sense. But I say spiritual because we still had our belief system that we followed. I'm still a very spiritual person and follow my belief system. I believe in a spirit world and I think that it is here on earth all around us. And that is why people have experiences. I believe that buildings, land or even items can sometimes hold the energy of past lives if the energy was really strong, i.e. very sensitive, strong emotions or untimely tragic deaths. When I was 14, my parents bought a home and we moved in. We had to do some renovations. We worked through the summer and got all moved in. There were mirrors everywhere and all in weird places. There were two in the kitchen, six or seven down in the basement in odd places. Why? A few in the garage, even. We thought it was weird, but we also never thought to take them down. 
We found out that the previous homeowner had lived there most of his life. It used to be his grandparents' house and was built in 1970. He moved in with them as they got older. They passed away and he stayed there. He never married or had kids and ended up getting cancer. He passed away just a few months before we bought the house. The sellers never said if he or his grandparents had died in the house or not. Soon after moving in, I started going to church more consistently and I started studying the scriptures of my religion nightly. I also started to pray every night, which was something I wasn't really doing much of before. But that was when it started. I have always had really vivid dreams and nightmares and I still do. I started having only nightmares and they were filled with ghosts or spirits of people I didn't know. I was being chased in my dreams or physically tormented. I would wake up crying at 3 to 4 a.m. every night. When I'd wake up, my room would be freezing. My room was normally the coldest in the house, but it would be at least 10 degrees colder than normal when I would wake up from these dreams. I stayed home from school sick one day and thought everything would be fine. I was laying in our living room, facing away from the only hallway in our home. I was watching a movie and minding my business. I started to hear noises coming from the hallway, which is where the bedrooms are. I looked back and didn't see anything. In my family, we always close our bedroom doors if we're gone for the day. Even being in the living room, I had closed mine out of habit. I heard very clearly the furthest door open and close, slowly. I instantly had a sinking feeling in my chest. I decided not to turn around and just ignore it. I believe that if you acknowledge a spirit, it feeds off your energy and it can make it stronger or it can encourage it to do more. So I generally try to ignore creepy things that happen. It didn't like being ignored. Shortly after the first occurrence, I heard a different bedroom door open and close. Slowly. Again, I ignored it, but I'm definitely listening now. A few short minutes later, my bedroom door opens and closes. I still don't turn around. The next thing I hear is footsteps coming towards me from the hallway. Slowly. They stop not even a foot behind me. I can feel someone there and I have goosebumps. I'm nearly in tears at this point. I'm holding my breath and just staring at the TV in an effort to ignore it and not feed into it more. Suddenly, I don't feel anything behind me anymore. I feel calm. I take a deep breath and continue watching the movie. I think things are over. But I was wrong. Not even 10 minutes later, I hear a huge crash down in the basement, followed by what sounded like someone running up the stairs. I ran for the front door, grabbed my shoes and went outside. I luckily had my phone with me, so I called my grandpa who lived near us and asked him to come and pick me up. I stayed at my granddad's for the rest of the day and I was terrified to go home. A couple of nights go by and it's actually quiet. No bad dreams, nothing weird. I think that the worst is over. 
When I was a teenager, I hated waking up for school in the morning, so I would sleep in as long as possible. To help with this, I would shower at night. This night, I washed my hair as well. If I washed my hair at night, I would lay my hair out over my pillow so that it could dry better than if I was just laying on it. I followed my nightly routine and went to bed. I started having a nightmare. This time, I was in my room and it was completely dark. Someone was in the corner of my room. I was starting to feel panic when suddenly I was being woken up. I woke up because I felt my hair being gathered and then my head was lifted off my pillow by my hair. When I opened my eyes, whatever it was let go of my hair and my head fell back down to my pillow. I could feel the presence of something again. I noticed my room had never been this cold before. There was a glow from the streetlight outside coming in through my window and I could actually see my breath. It was so cold. I started crying and I hurried and threw my covers completely over me. I was petrified. I grabbed my phone from under my pillow and I texted my mom. She used to get up early for work back then and it was around the time she'd be getting up. Luckily, she had just woken up. I asked her to come to my room. She walked in and said, Why is your room so cold? She came over to me and I told her what happened. She walked out into the living room with me and stayed with me for a while before she had to get ready to go to work. I didn't go back to sleep after that and I asked her to get my things out of my room so I could get ready for school. I was so distracted that whole day. Because of this experience, I never spread my hair out over my pillow because I'm scared it will happen again. One morning, a day or two after this, I had to wake up earlier for a competition at school. I was getting ready and I was the only one up. My mom had already left for work and my two sisters were sleeping in the same room together. I was in the bathroom and I heard from around the corner, just in the hallway, someone say, Shaley. Very quickly and sharply. I thought it was one of my sisters trying to scare me. I quickly made my way down the hallway to my bedroom. I opened the door and the girls were both dead asleep. No one in my family can keep a straight face for long, so I soon figured they were legitimately asleep and not faking. I finished up what I was doing, grabbed my stuff and left for school half an hour earlier than I needed to. That voice is still burned in my memory and sends shivers down my spine when I replay the memory in my mind. Things like this happened for another week or so. I'd wake up at the same time, try to find my mom for comfort if she hadn't left for work yet, and then I'd go to school a few hours later. I finally went to one of my church leaders to ask for a blessing. In my religion, we believe that blessings can heal you or protect you. It's basically a prayer over you, specifically for you. Shortly after that, the torment stopped. My sleeping went back to normal. No more nightmares and no more physical contact from the spirit world. I still had creepy experiences in this house for years after this, but not anything like the few weeks where it seemed directed and focused on me. I heard footsteps on the stairs, lights turning on by themselves, cupboards being opened, little things like that. They mostly became an annoyance after a while, and I never felt like it was a negative spirit doing these things. The weeks that I was being tormented, it definitely felt like a negative and evil spirit. 
My family thinks that the mirrors all over the home have something to do with the activity. My mom did some more renovations before selling it this last year and she took down the majority of the mirrors. She said she noticed less activity after doing this. Before she sold the home, my husband and I actually lived there for a month while we were in between apartment contracts. This was about two years ago. I was kind of nervous about living there again, even for a month. There was only one weird thing that we experienced. From night one to the last night we were there, my husband would wake at 3am every night, just dying of thirst. He'd have to go out to the kitchen and drink two full glasses of water before he'd be able to fall asleep again. This wasn't normal for him. He literally only did this for the month we lived at that house. He said he always felt weird walking back down the hallway to the bedroom after being in the kitchen, like someone was following him. We still can't think of a plausible reason for that to this day. I'm sure any sceptic would be able to come up with reasons why most of the things in the house happened. It's old, it's settling, there could have been cold spots from insufficient insulation or heating, etc. The one thing I cannot rationalise is having my head lifted off my pillow and physically feeling someone's hand in my hair. I know it wasn't sleep paralysis because I was able to move immediately after and I was awake when my hair was let go. To this day, that experience gives me goosebumps and makes me feel sick to my stomach. Thanks, Shaylee. If someone pulled my hair in the middle of the night, I'd be so livid. I do it all the time. You just sleep for it. I would be. <laughs> that sounds like some sort of weird fetish. <laughs> that was a weird thing to say. I didn't like this story. It's too creepy. I would feel funny about buying a house that was just had random mirrors everywhere. Yeah, so would I, obviously. I know you would as well. <laughs> like, But I don't know. I think I would be asking questions i'd be like what's with the mirrors why have this why have they got so many mirrors in the basement that's what i want to know yeah maybe the mirrors were helping whatever it was move around the house yeah like those harry potter paintings yeah maybe you know there's like in older irish tradition i know some i know some families that still do it that when if somebody dies in your house you immediately have to cover all the reflective surfaces because your soul can get trapped in a mirror Uh, dan's just like no don't like that anymore. The footsteps. Running back up the stairs. Oh, oh. After something smashing in the basement. Didn't well, like that. She did the right thing though. Got her stuff. Yep. Fucked off. Yep. Got granddad like, to no. come get her. Get out. Job done. Yeah, I would have been the same. Potentially would have lit a match on the way out. Yeah. Stairs. Footsteps on the stairs. Didn't like. Didn't like the idea of all the doors stopping. Didn't like when she was watching TV and she felt someone walk up behind her and stop <gasps> and then felt the presence and then it just lifted. Nope. Just no. The thought of having your head raised off the mat- off the mattress, off the pillow when you're asleep is gross. Particularly as my hair is now getting long, I'm going to be freaking out tonight. Yeah, you are. Um, yeah, just no, just no. I don't need anybody shouting my name. I don't need people talking. I don't need doors shutting. I don't need footsteps. I definitely don't need all those mirrors. Debatable whether I need a mirror full stop. So if you enjoyed this week's episode... You can find us on Instagram. I am on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us, Dan's on Instagram at 53 Movie Club. You can find us on Facebook. Join our super group. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Patreon. The link to everything is in the description of this episode. It is indeed. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.